It is Tuesday, February 6, 2024. This is another edition of Football Today. You know, that dude from the Talking Giants world, Bobby Skinner. I am Chris Rose. Producer Mikey is along for the ride as well. I thought maybe you were going to move to Mobile. You enjoyed it so much for the Senior Bowl. You're back, though. Yes, I am back. It's, you know, again, uh, my home away from home, but now I'm back, back in the office, ready to roll. It's Super Bowl week. Let's let's get it on. So we decided to do the show Tuesday instead of Monday because they had opening night where both teams get a chance to chop it up with the 6,000 media members or whatever ridiculous number is there in Las Vegas. They each got an hour. Uh, the AFC champion Chiefs went first. Then the San Francisco 49ers went second. And Patrick Mahomes was asked about the magic carpet ride of one Brock Purdy. Usually when you can make it happen in college, no matter what your surroundings are, um, and to turn around a program like he did in Iowa State, you, you're going to make it happen when you get your opportunity in the NFL. So I wasn't very surprised whenever he's had the success that he's had. Classy as always, Pat Mahomes. I thought he was great for the full hour. Um, so what is the more interesting story over the next week that Patrick Mahomes is trying to win a third Super Bowl ring by the age of 28, or that Brock Purdy is going from the last pick in the 2022 draft to perhaps the top of the mountain? Well, I think it depends on the next 10 years of Brock Purdy's career to decide how important this is, you know, the, the Purdy story is. To me, it's Mahomes. I'm a fan of, like, teams being great, right? I like watching great teams. I'm not, like, a fanboy of them or anything. But I like to look back and be like, hey, man, think, let's think about that team and the different iterations and Patrick Mahomes and the fact that he's chasing Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady, who's done something, he's won more Super Bowls than any team has, uh, than any team has, you know, mm -hmm. seven, uh, that he actually has a chance of getting pretty damn close to that, having three this early in his career. Yeah, but just think about it for a second. We make it sound like, well, of course he can get to seven. Do you know how hard it is to get one? Because the following players don't have one. Josh Allen has never appeared there. He's been pretty good over his six seasons. Uh, Joe Burrow got to one, but, you know, didn't win it. Um, Lamar Jackson is about to be a two-time MVP in a couple of days. He hasn't even gotten a one. So the fact that, like, we, just, I think we were just like, oh, my God, you know, he's going to win six, seven, and he might. He might, but I don't think that we're looking at his journey and being impressed by it at all because we always have to say, well, Tom Brady's got seven. The fact that the dude already has two by age 28 and could have three by age 28 is ridiculous on itself. Oh, well, he's like easy, like top five of all time, like trajectory, like easy, right? And then probably top two. And that's, and that's why I think it's such a great story is we are witnessing, you know, the greatest quarterback of this generation, right? Tom Brady, you know, is gone. Patrick Mahomes is undoubtedly the greatest of this generation. Like there, you, it's hard to forecast anybody coming into the league and even being close to this. He's been, you know, he's won the MVPs. He's won in different styles, right? And I think that's what great quarterbacks do is they defenses adjust, right, to try and stop those great quarterbacks, and he adjusts too. Where in the beginning of his career, it was the you know throwing bombs all over the place, and now you know he he throws the ball shorter than most quarterbacks in the NFL. Has one of the lower you know average depths of target. Because of the way defense is playing, play him, and he's still able to be great. So that's why I'm all in on like the Patrick Mahomes storyline. It's like, man, we are truly witnessing not you know a really goodness, but greatness. We're gonna look back at this career and look at it as one of, if not the best of all time. Very quickly, I don't want to move on without at least touching on the on the Purdy angle here. You know, I think a lot of people in recent times have been like, 
stop insulting him by calling him Mr. Irrelevant. It's not an insult. It's part of his story. Like part of the whole Brady chain of events was the fact that he was picked number 199 and he used that. At NFL Network, we did an entire show, an entire, forget what it was, you know, what it fell under, the title of the show, but on the six or seven quarterbacks that were taken ahead of him in the draft class of 2000, you know, guys like Spurgeon Wynn, you know, we did an entire- The Brady Six, right? Yeah, it was the Brady Six or whatever the hell it's called, right? And so that was part of it. This isn't insulting- I think it's a remarkable feat that a guy went from the last pick of the draft to maybe kissing the Lombardi in five days. Absolutely. And I, and I truly think how had the next 10 years of his career, once that maybe he's not surrounded by all, it's just, it's unfortunate for Purdy, but he is going to be judged, but like, hey, he's behind like one of the best play callers in the NFL who's gotten the most out of guys like Jimmy Garoppolo and they're surrounded by all pros at every single position. So he's not going to get, He's not going to get the credit that Patrick Mahomes gets or other quarterbacks get. Nor should he, by the way. No, and, no. Yeah, and I agree. That's fine. Because but, if, Patrick... but, if, but if he's able to sustain the success once maybe some of that, you know, talent goes away, then we'll, I think it'll be a much bigger story talking about his career. And, by, and I love Mr. Irrelevant, by the way, too. Every year I memorize who Mr. Irrelevant is. I, I always want to remember last year. This last year it was Deswan Johnson out of Toledo. I actually had a tackle for a loss versus the Giants. Hmm. Brock Purdy, uh, Grant Stewart from Houston. He was on the Bucks, and then Tay Crowder from the Giants. Uh, so, do you, do you know the two other Mister Irrelevants who have played in a Super Bowl? Gonna guess. I mean, you're hmm. never gonna get one of them. So Grant Grant Stewart, I think, was he on the Bucks that year? There was a guy on the Bucks a couple of years ago, and he played a prominent role. Ryan Suckup. Oh, I knew it was the kicker from the the Titans, right? I think he was either drafted by the Titans or the I forget who he was drafted by. It was not the Bucks, but he ended up playing and winning one with the Bucks. The other guy is a reserve, um, kind of a special teamer, a guy named Marty Moore. He played in Super Bowl 31 with the Patriots, did not win there against the Packers, but then was on the Patriots in Super Bowl 36, although he was on injured reserve. But he didn't get a ring. So there you go. There we go. Marty Moore. Yep. We need more Marty. Uh, In the meantime, Chris Jones might be playing his final game as a Kansas City Chief this coming Sunday. He is unquestionably the leader of a very young and very talented defense. Now, Jones said uh, at the beginning of his run, that the Chiefs were everybody's darling. Everybody loved them, but now something has changed. Everybody used to love us. We used to be one of the most favorite teams. Now everybody is like, we're ready for the Chiefs to lose. I don't know why, what changed, or what dramatic incidents happened to where everybody felt like we should lose now, but uh, it's okay. They can continue hating. When did this happen? Well, the Chiefs are still one of the probably the most beloved team, but they're now the most hated team. So there's, I think there's three factors. I think twenty percent of the nation calls Travis Kelsey Mister Pfizer. That's one. The Taylor <laughs> Swift angle, and then what do we do with great players when it's hard to find weaknesses in Patrick Mahomes? They always complain to the refs. They always, and and then Patrick Mahomes losing his mind on that Kadarius Tony offsides thing was the first time where it's like, man, this is really like 
a horrible look for you. Like you look silly and immature right now. So it's the refs and and team people just kind of hate greatness. Mm-hmm. Like they they don't they don't like to see sustained greatness. So it's the Taylor Swift Kelsey thing, and then uh, and then just Mahomes to complain about the refs too much. Complain about the refs too much. That's interesting. I would never have pegged the Travis Kelsey Pfizer thing. It's certainly not a twenty percent. I imagine that there's some that think whatever they want to think. I don't really. I'm care just saying. I've heard people refer to him as Mr. Pfizer. So. Yeah, I think when he came out with that, but I think that that kind of has dissipated over time. But it's, I suppose, it's possible that some people still begrudge him for that. Whatever. Um, yeah, I would say I, I would agree with your last point the most. I think, which is for the first time, we saw Patrick Mahomes in a different light this year. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't have been upset. I think the Kadarius Tony play was the culmination of several weeks of frustration where guys left and right, it felt like there were five or six drop passes a game. Now, I know that number, it wasn't close to that number, but it felt like critical times that Mahomes would make a play and he's like, I would just go back to Giselle. Well, he can't fucking throw it and catch it. So that's kind of what I felt like. And and really, for the first time you saw Mahomes, you were like, "What what is that expression that he's doing? Yeah, and and Mahomes is a bad like shit talker and stuff. Um, so when you accumulate like that with you know they're complaining about the refs, it's just you. I I really just think it comes down to as simple as this: is we hate teams that are sustained great, like the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Everyone loved the, like I love the Warriors coming up right before they you know were in the NBA Finals. Curry and 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 Clay were were so much fun to watch. They win a title, that's cool. And then they add Kevin Durant, and you know they're the most hated team. You know LeBron with the Lakers, the Patriots with the Brady, right? So they've given the referee complaining about the referees too much has given people an in on hating them. Uh, you know they haven't done anything like the Spygate or anything where people would just you know try and right. call them a cheater or, or whatever. But I, I don't think it's over the top, like hate either like, i still think well, they're the most beloved team in the nfl too it, it was interesting last night i mean there were thirty thousand people inside of Allegiant stadium to watch a bunch of people talk and it was a lot of booze when kansas right when mahomes was introduced he was like okay bring it on niners fans we're ready and kelsey was like fuck it let's go play football right now i'm ready you get, i love getting booed i like booze more than i like cheers and maybe part of that is that it's in las vegas and the raiders and chiefs from what I hear, don't like each other. Maybe part of it is that the Niners contingent um, arrived in Vegas early because you know Chiefs fans are going to travel to Vegas this weekend. I mean, that's not like it's not going to yeah. be 70 30 like when the Niners play down at SoFi Stadium against the Rams. Well, they're the team that can book early now, right? Like they they feel like they can book their trips early and, you know, like, hey, if we if they don't make it, we'll save some money, but there's a good chance our team's there. So they're they're booking their tickets in mm. like April. Where every other team has to wait till the last second. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Uh, let's get to a little uh, game talk. Um, we'll do much more on Friday's show as we really get you set and kind of do a deep dive into the X's and O's um, for Super Bowl 58. But is it more important for the Chiefs defense to remain elite like it's been all season and particularly here in the playoffs or for the Niners to clean up the mess on that side of the ball that they were in January in the postseason? I think it's for the 49ers, right? Because we- the 49ers who me and you love during the regular season, even when they even when they lost three games in a row, we're like not worried at all. 
they have not they've played sloppy football in their two playoff games and had to you know have comeback victories in both those and that's going to be a lot harder to do you know when it's Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the field and not Jared Goff or Jordan Love uh so to me it's the 49ers have to clean it up because if they clean it up get their opening script right which they've done all year they can be up you know 14 to 3 earlier in this game and and you know, be able to be able to just continually put, you know, points here and there as the game goes along. So I think the 49ers, we have not seen them play their best football in the playoffs yet. And they're still they're still in the Super Bowl, which should be, you know, have 49ers fans a little excited. It was interesting. We both mentioned that after the Niners won the NFC championship, that it was more relief than joy and elation. And I think it's because they knew they got away with at least one, if not two. Uh, they needed a game-saving drive by Brock Purdy in the divisional round against Green Bay. They needed a miraculous 17-point uh, comeback against Detroit to end up winning that game. Part of the defense is that part of the problem is that this defense against the run has been leaking oil. They are giving up 70 more yards per game on the ground in the playoffs than they did in the regular season. They were top five, allowing less than 90 yards per game. Here, it's more than 155, I believe, per game. It's it's. It's insane what has gone on, and I don't know if if Steve Wilkes can figure this out. And more importantly, if Andy Reid does go back to running the football, um, then this is something that could be a real problem come Sunday. Which was not, which is new for the 49ers. Because remember, the thing was like they hadn't had a hundred yard rusher on right. them in you know twenty seven years. Uh, so you know, it'd be interesting to see what Reid is able to draw up because like you know. If there's anyone you don't want to give two weeks of prep to, it is Andy Reid because he's going to find weaknesses and take advantage of it. You know, I think of the Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony touchdowns in the Super Bowl last year versus Philly. Um, and then obviously Mahomes and Kelsey are going to do their thing. So and that's why uh, that's why I picked the 49ers before the season. That's kind of why I, I kind of like the Chiefs a little more is I like Andy Reid way more than I do Steve Wilkes. I don't view Steve Wilkes as a good – I think he hasn't really done a good job with that mm -hmm. defense. The defense has a lot of talent, and they underperform at times, and I put that on Wilkes. Well, look at their last two defensive coordinators, right? You go back a few years before he got the Jets job. Robert Sala, as this team was kind of growing up, boy, they were balling, and he was just boundless energy on the sidelines. Then they went to D'Amico Ryans. After that, they were like, let's give him a shot. We know that he's a young coach, but he was a damn good player, and we think he's a great communicator. And sure enough, he nailed that role before moving on to Houston. And now Steve Wilkes, who actually did the best job of any Carolina coach in recent years when he took on an interim role a season ago and had them competitive and winning some games, has not really found his footing in this role. And it's weird because I think Steve Wilkes has been known as a solid coordinator he didn't get enough of a shot as a head coach one year and out in Arizona and then an interim label in Carolina. But this defense, and in particular the front four, not only just against the run, but they haven't applied enough pressure because they do they do not like the blitz. Unlike the Chiefs, who are like top six in blitz percentage, they will not come at you. And I wonder if there's going to be any sort of adjustment this week with that. And they've always been a team that doesn't blitz, but they've been able to generate a lot of pressure mm -hmm. within those blitzes and throw some disguise uh, looks in the coverage while, you know, like using Fred Warner and Hufunga to to their strengths, right, which is being able to make plays. They just kind of have had those guys in some just typical, you know, drop back, spot drop defenses where in past years they would really, you know, throw quarterbacks for a loop. Now it's not as much. 
Um, they still do some stuff. So I, I don't think that defense is very well structured, and I just trust Reed way more. I don't even know how we got into this, but I, I'm, I'm loving it. Well, it's interesting because you do break it down. It's Reed against Wilkes, and it's Shanahan against Spags. By the way, Spags, I was reading this in our NFL Network research, he can become the first four-time Super Bowl champion defensive coordinator in the history of the sport. Pretty good. I love Spags. I, it'd be interesting to see if he ever starts to get head coaching interests ever again. Obviously, it went horrible with the Rams. Um, but, you know, he, like this defense is a big reason. Like, they're just as much as a reason as they're they're in this as the offense, right? If, if not more so. Um, and Spags has always been a, like a big a big game coordinator with the Giants and now the Chiefs. Uh, you know, there's a, a the D line the linebacker coach for the Patriot or the Chiefs, Brendan Daly. You know, he's won five of the last nine Super Bowls, and this will be his eighth time in ten years being I in love the Super those Bowl. Stories. He I was love with the Patriots. He was with the Patriots and Brady, and then immediately. Uh, jumped over to the Chiefs afterwards. The guy, the guy lives at the Super Bowl. I love that. And you know, some of those guys, it's they're they're the glues. You never know what these position coaches do behind the scenes. Like, what does a position coach really do? Because we we know about the coordinators and what they're doing with the game plans and everything else. Like, what what is what makes a good position coach in the NFL? I would love to find that out. Me too, because it's one of those things when you cover a team, it's like you want to judge the position coach when a, a position is underperforming from where guys are drafted for stuff, mm -hmm. like especially the offensive line coach. But it's, a lot of times it's hard to find out exactly what's going on. And unless you have a, a you know, a connection with some of the players back, and, you know, you don't, you don't really know. And sometimes players are a bad judge of what a good coach is too. So, by the um, way, it's, it's all about technique, Bobby. It's all about technique on this show. Um, fun fundamentals. Listen up, football fans. This is the last weekend of the year to get your football bets in. We've teamed up with DraftKings, and now is the perfect time to take your shot at the crown. Right now, all new customers get $200 in bonus bets instantly when they place their first $5 bet on anything. So download the DraftKings app now and use promo code FOOTBALL today. Wondering what you can use your $200 in bonus bets on? Combine multiple bets together from Super Bowl 58 for a shot and even bigger payout. If you're already signed up for DraftKings, like me, you can make a bet on Super Bowl 58 and get a bonus bet back. Get a bonus bet in the amount of your initial wager. Max reward varies. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers use promo code FOOTBALL today. Bet just $5 on any wager and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code FOOTBALL today. Well, only one word. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You'll be glad you did. All right. Let's have fun with this one. You only have one seat in either a game booth or on a pregame show or postgame show desk open. You can give it to a tight end from either team, Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. Who are you giving it to if you're one of these big wig television executives? I'm going to give it to Travis Kelsey because I think he's kind of a little bit of does both. Like he can have fun. He had that dating show way back in the day. Hmm. You know, his podcast does really well with his brother. But also, like, you know, what he does on a football field is special. And not just, like, oh, he's bigger and stronger, makes plays. Him and Patrick Mahomes freestyle. And that sounds good. That is so hard to do and get on the same page with that type of stuff. And know, hey, man, if I see this, I'm not running the route that we run. Luke Keekley actually had a good clip talking about this. But it's something we've talked about before. They, like, they truly freestyle on offense. 
And that, that type of like his mind is just as important as athleticism and his ability to go up and make a tough catch. Uh, that I think he'd be great where he's got he's got experience being an entertainer with his podcast mm-hmm. and his old TV show, but also like the way he sees the game is not just you know big fun tight end like he really gets it. I um I'm gonna go with Kittle here, not just to be different. I I really believe that Kittle is a guy who has untapped potential. Now I I was when I was writing these questions, my wife overheard me and she goes isn't he just going to go right to the wrestling afterward? And I was like, you could be onto something. Like, he loves wrestling. He even said it last night to the 11-year-old reporter, Jeremiah. Uh, and he it's why he said that uh, Kelsey was funnier or whatever. He goes, I'm basically two things. I'm wrestling in shoes. You know, Travis is more diverse. I, I'm not. I think he's playing coy there. I really do. Because I think he could be a superstar. I think he's way smarter than he gives off. So I think that he could break down football a little bit like Olsen has the last couple of years on Fox. But he is hilarious. And one thing he does great, better than almost any player active in the NFL when he gets interviewed, he listens. He listens to the questions. And like he looked at little Jeremiah and he was like, that is a great question. I like the way you phrased that. And I bet you if you were around him for the full hour last night that he was on the dais, he would have really taken in questions instead of been on autopilot. I think he's got that gear. Yeah. My worry with him would be is like, does he play into being the goofy, you know, fun guy too much? And then that would get sick of people. Right. Also a great, if you are a player or coach listening to this podcast, one of the best things you can do with dealing with the media, just anytime, just great question. Great, great question. And then answer, even if you give a generic answer, uh, they, they eat that shit up. Uh, I can't remember what coach it was, but if, I felt like he – it's Mike Kafka, actually, for the Giants offense coordinator. Never answers anything, but he says every question is a great question. <laughs> um, Funny. But, uh, so, yeah, Kittle – I wonder if Kittle would play too much into, like, the – like, oh, I'm fun and goofy, but actually, like, maybe we want to listen to you break down football because, like you well, said, he can probably do it just as good as anybody. I think he can. I think he can. I think he's so smart, too, because I think he understands and executes the intricacies of – line play while being able to probably explain routes and route trees and what everybody's trying to do uh, as well as anybody, but we'll see. My guess is is that they're going to both end up, but if we had one seat, we'd play that game. Uh, Finally, before we get out of here, some coaching news. Raheem Morris officially takes over in Atlanta. Dan Quinn, a former Atlanta Falcons coach, is, is now the new man in D.C. Which team's quarterback situation is more interesting moving forward? I feel like the commanders are the answer everyone would go for because they have the number two pick. There's going to be talks of them trading up to number one with the Cliff and Cliff Kingsbury, Caleb Williams. But to me, it's the Falcons. Like, I'm so excited to see a quarterback drop into that situation with B. John Robinson, who I love, uh, Kyle Putt, Pitts, Drake London, and I'm sure they'll add some more talent too. You know, a good offensive line. That team, that team's offense is a quarterback away from being a top five offense. Like, just even a good quarterback. If they go get Kirk Cousins, I'm predicting the Falcons to be top five in yards per game next year. That's the thing, is that they can go so many different routes, right? Because they have not paid a quarterback down there since they got rid of Matt Ryan. Um, So they could go Kirk Cousins. They have the eighth pick in the draft, which means that you're going to get not one of those top three dudes, but the next guy in line who might end up being good or might not. 
And then the jump from eight to two or three, if you love a guy, or heck, even one, is not so monumental, right? Carolina went from nine to one, I believe, last year. Now, granted, they overpaid by adding in, sprinkling, sprinkling in the DJ Moore aspect of the draft. So not only did they give up a couple of ones and a couple of twos, I believe, but they gave up, up a guy who's a Pro Bowl receiver on top of it. Um, but it, all of that could be in play for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, and I think trading up is going to be hard. because One, I think there's teams ahead of them that would want to trade up, and I, I just don't know if any team's going to trade out of the top three. But to me, I think the question goes like, okay, do they go free agency, like you said, with Kirk Cousins, or are they willing to wait till the second round and take a Michael Penix or – you know, go J.J. McCarthy or, you know, whoever in, with their first round or trade back or whatever. There's so many different avenues that would be a huge upgrade to them because I think they've had the one of, if not the worst quarterback situation in football this past year that would be an upgrade to them. But, like, how much? So that's, that's where I, I would be in the go give Kirk Cousins two years, fully guaranteed money, which I think makes this team good now, and you can try and fill that young quarterback void uh eventually in the future and that's going to be the time when you got to start paying Pitts and Bijan and London and all these guys so you could kind of restart on the rookie wage scale with when you're paying those cats and let's remember you're in the worst division in the NFL so the they were they were in it they were in the fight uh to win the division in week 18 Mm-hmm. They had won at New Orleans, I believe. And if it, Tampa had fallen at Carolina, then the Atlanta Falcons would have been your NFC South champs with like seven wins. Or and they could have, they, they choked a lot of games too, right? Like they, they really actually, oh, yeah. um, you know, could, could have done that, but they've choked a, a lot of, a lot of games uh, away. I'm excited to see what Zach Robinson does with them as, as that OC. I so. agree. I agree. I agree. All right, one more show then before uh, we actually have kickoff of Super Bowl 58. So we're going to really do a, more of a deeper dive into kind of some X's and O's and get into all that stuff on, on Friday's show. But we cannot wait. In the meantime, be careful if you have to practice out at UNLV. We understand the surface is a little spongy. So I don't understand that. What happened? Um, I, I don't think anything happened. I think it's UNLV's practice surface. You know, it's not like UNLV is a top 25 team, you know, and all of a sudden these great facilities. This is a huge advantage, by the way, or at least it could be for the AFC team, right? Because they get to practice at the new Raiders state-of-the-art facility out in Henderson. (laughs) And the Niners have to go check out UNLV. Gulp. That ain't right. They're the home team. They They should get the Raiders facility. They're not the home team. Why? Are the Chiefs favored? No, the it's it's all they alternate, so the AFC is the home team this year. I didn't know that. I thought it was my best record. No, nope. It's an AFC NFC because it really. Has when did they start do doing that? I've been doing it forever. Really, I I had no clue of that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got all sorts of. I got fun stat on Friday. I'm going to hit you with like a a fun stat, whether it matters or not. Everything from like coin flips to uniform. Uh, colors you know all that sort of like to who's scoring first I, i've got everything about the previous 57 super bowls just lined up for you do the chiefs win in their whites or their reds well they, they won, won their whites last year and they won the reds the other one okay so i yeah. think they got to stay in the reds because uh 
they beat the 49ers in the Reds. You know, a few yeah, years but ago. they lost to Tampa in the Reds. They won. They beat Minnesota in Super Bowl four in the Reds. So it's a little bit all over the place. Yeah, I feel like you got to go Reds. You just keep the same uh, aesthetic as 2019. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, we'll break it all down. Uniform colors, spongy surfaces at UNLV, and God knows whatever else. For our producer, Mikey, and for Bobby Skinner from the Talking Giants world, I am Chris Rose. We will see you Friday on Football Today.